0: Hello and welcome to the Uncap podcast. I'm your host Chris Sands, and joining me this week is my co-host, is Frederick News Post reporter Kate Masters. Hi. And this is the third episode in our distillery series, where leading up to the Frederick Spirits Festival, which takes place on Saturday, April twenty second, we're bringing in distilleries from throughout Maryland to discuss the distillery process, distilling process, and just about their business in general. You can go to frederickspiritsfestival.com to purchase tickets currently, and until April 1st, they will be $10 off. So this week we have (coughs) Braden Bumpers and Tyler Hagemeyer from McClintock Distilling Company joining us.
1: That's it. Yeah, thanks for having us.
0: Thank you so much for coming in. Um, So I think you guys probably have one of the most envious locations –
2: in Frederick to have a <laughs> distillery. We got super fortunate to have our location. It's a really nice location. We were very lucky to get into it when it was in the pretty much in shambles. So we were able to get in there at a price we could afford it. Uh, we had to put a, a lot of work into it in order to get it to where it is today. Uh, when we walked in there, it was wall-to-wall carpet, drop ceilings everywhere. All those 105-year-old windows were behind drywall. Uh, once you tore down all that drywall, it was painted brick, Blue from six feet down, white from six feet up. So it took a lot of work to get it to where it is today. But once once we got it all out and exposed its old, raw beauty, uh, it's definitely an envious location. But it we're, we're happy to be there, very happy to be there. And
0: to help anyone that's local in Frederick out, you guys are located where the Faux School used to be. Correct. I've had a couple of people not quite sure where you were, but as soon as you say the Foe School, they're like, "Oh, I thought that's yeah, what was."
2: It was yep. the Foe School for like eight or nine years, so a lot of people know it as that. Before that, it was Edwards and Edwards Antiques, but we're at the lowest point in Frederick. Actually, it used to be where it always flooded every time. So th- the-
0: thank goodness for the Carroll Creek project. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely, now it floods Market Street. <laughs> <laughs> so you had you had mentioned it was in Shambles. I'd I'd read that you guys received a grant to help with the renovation of the building. How did you? How did that come about?
1: Um, so we actually uh, got in touch with the um, economic development people. They helped us with some of our interior work, and then we actually got uh, another two grants from the Downtown Frederick Partnership as well. Um, I think they saw our vision of trying to restore the building back to its original aesthetic, um, and we, they they saw what we did for for the building um, and what a distillery, you know, in our location would do for all of downtown. Um, so we were, we we're happy to, to work with them, and um, they were really, really nice to work with.
0: And then, not only do I find your location to be perfect, McClintock just sounds like a distillery <laughs> that has been around forever. <laughs> so one, it's just amazing that that name wasn't already taken, but so where does the name come from?
2: So he, it was actually it wasn't even our first pick. We, uh, we were full bore on a different name complete with like doing advertising almost like designing a logo and last minute we found out that name happened to be taken three days before we had uh, submitted our trademark on it so we flip-flopped to McClintock a little bit later on it was actually a name that we had come up with initially we kind of were young guys so we didn't think it fit us very well kind of sounded a little bit too old-school so McClintock is actually the first name of a man named McClintock young he's an old Frederick inventor uh, if you know the McCutcheon, uh, McCutcheon building over along the creek, yeah. he has a bunch of faces of Frederick on there. He's actually one of the faces on there. Uh, really interesting guy. It's, uh, ties in really well to what we do. So he has over 100 patents that he had. Uh, most of them were when he worked for the Oxfiber Brush Company, which was a five-acre plant where the present-day Goodwill is. Uh, did everything from whole slew inventions. Everything from uh, making diamond matches, early matchstick-making machines that he sold them. Uh, all the way through making all of fiber brushes machines that would take a wood block all the way through a finished brush uh, was responsible for moving the crank on the velocipede from the front wheel to the back, which is the present day bicycle. Well, our first invention when he was twelve years old was a fire engine that would throw water thirty five feet steam powered fire engine. so he was a really interesting guy for his time, so we kind of tied it all into the products that we produce, to like to kind of capture the spirit of his innovation and put that into what we produce
0: that's really cool, so you just well, one, the guy has a super interesting story, mm-hmm. um, but you, you, I, did you decide you just wanted to have a Frederick-sourced
2: so name? We to- actually got tied into him. I grew up in Frederick my whole life. I lived right up against Campbell State Park. And about five, six years ago, the same time we were planning all this, we, my brother purchased a piece of property at the end of the street I grew up on. And on that property was an old stone house that I'd been going to my entire life as the haunted house. We'd never gone inside. It always been boarded up. But on that property was a house, and we got the opportunity to finally go through it. And when we went through it, one of the first things we found in this old chest was a deed to sale to Diamond Match for their initial, their, one of their initial machines that, that would take something from a from a wood block all the way through a finished match. And Diamond Match is still the largest match steak maker in the world. Uh, and then from there, just uncovered all sorts of things, and we began researching them. And just, it just ties really well into the, the Frederick community, and he's also a name, like, you see McClintock, and it it has a great tie to, to the Frederick community, but at the same time, once we start to grow beyond that, it's not limiting us just to the Frederick community.
0: It, it almost sounds like you guys would be perfect to talk about him during, like, a Frederick drunk history, because I, I believe they're going to do that again. Yes,
1: right? yeah, we definitely want to uh, incorporate more about McClintock Young, because he was a really fascinating guy. Um, and I think the Frederick Historic Society is putting something together about him. But other than that, there isn't a ton written about him. So he's, which is uh, amazing because yeah. everything, I mean, everything you guys really have talked cool about. Yeah. Like a- if you ever get a
2: chance, if you go on Google patent search, which I didn't know was a thing, but you can search <laughs> all of his old patents, all of it. They all of his initial drawings, really cool elaborate machines that he would make. Mm-hmm. Over, there's over like 70-some patents on there.
0: Wow.
3: And you went to college, um, you both went to college down south, and so why the decision to resettle and start a business in Frederick again?
2: Well, Frederick was where I always grew up. We both grew up in Maryland. Maryland is our home state, so we knew that this is where we wanted to be. Uh, and furthermore than that, like, like I said, I grew up in Frederick, so this is where we were really looking at. We looked at a couple other locations, but Frederick has it all, and it's, it's such a great environment and great place. You don't have the traffic and the, the congestion that you do in a lot of these other places but you still have a great community and a lot of people who travel up here. Uh, There's a lot of wealth to go around as well.
1: Yeah, and the craft, I mean, I'm sure you guys are very well aware, the craft alcohol industry here is unbelievable. Um, The community uh, is a huge part of that because they support all of these craft breweries and wineries and distilleries. Um, So it was really fortunate, you know, that we were able to get tied into this community here as well.
3: Yeah, and and, um, I mean, what started you? On your journey to getting this interested in, in craft liquor and craft distilling
2: so it was kind of a combination between an interest in craft brewing so we come from the home brewing side of things and as many of you know distilling and brewing are very similar we pretty much brew a beer first and then we distill the alcohol out of that beer we just take brewing one step further we're not quite as lazy as the brewers <laughs> <laughs> so uh it was more or less when we graduated college there was probably five six thousand breweries in the country it wasn't really Something that we I think
0: that would be a good show title for this, too. We're not as lazy as <laughs> they <laughs> no, Sorry. They, they might disagree because we don't have to do as much cleaning
2: <laughs> as they do. So they look at like, all, all the work we don't have to do and like, you're the lazy ones.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, uh, one, of the, one of our earlier episodes, they described it as like they can make really bad beer and then turn it into exactly. something. Exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> we, we
2: also get breweries who bring us their bad beer because we can extract the alcohol out of that beer, leave the badness behind, so to speak. Oh, cool. What was the initial question? I've already forgotten. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, and so you you were talking about how you yeah. got interested in this. So selling. we,
2: like I said, just one step from brewing. So we were on the brewing side of things, but graduating from college, there was a ton of breweries. It wasn't really something we wanted to be the six thousand and first brewer in 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 the United States. But right, we about five six years ago was when we started looking into the spirit side of things because that was when all these states were just changing their laws. Right, so and it was
1: always something that we were, you know really interested in, um, but it wasn't until, you know, relatively recently that distilling was kind of let back in to um, Maryland in general, but also most of the East Coast states, you know, it's a relatively new thing. So when that started to, uh, you know, domino down, uh, we were really more interested in the spirit side of things than brewing. Um, Yeah,
2: you'd be hard pressed to find a distiller who was thinking about becoming a distiller 10 years ago, because it (laughs) wouldn't make much sense because it wasn't really legal. So it's for most, all distilleries, this is a a new idea for people. But a lot of people, you'll see they come from the brewing side of things because it makes it so much easier because mm-hmm. it's just one additional step you've got to master. Mm-hmm.
3: Okay. And in one of our older articles, I saw that you two actually took a trip to the Ozarks. And my ears perked up because I went to college in Missouri. So I'm familiar with the Ozarks. And so can you tell me? So, (laughs) yeah, so uh,
1: most of my family still lives down in Arkansas. Um, So, uh, yeah, northwest Arkansas, around the Ozark region. I know there was a few of uh, my family members that had been doing some um, backwoods distilling, less than legal, I would say. (laughs) Um so we thought it would be a cool story to kind of tie in our family recipe to it so we went down there I met with some people we did uh through some of their distillations and recipes and it was terrible it was absolutely <laughs> the the stuff they were making was not not good so we quickly abandoned that Idea. So you forgot everything you learned? Yes. Yeah, yeah. so I don't we learned anything. Everything we saw and tasted. <laughs> we, we did our uh, distillery training up uh, under the distillers at Koval Distilling up in Chicago, um, which is where we went up to do our training. Um, and they have the same German-made equipment that we have, so it was nice to kind of dial in you know, all of our pressures and all the tweaks that, that we use uh, today making all of our spirits.
3: Oh, no, and, and is there something that you've learned that's key to making a good good spirit, a good liquor? Any tricks of the trade?
2: Good equipment, good raw ingredients. It's yeah. not, honestly not too hard to make a good quality product. It's, <laughs> yeah,
1: it's it really is. You know, a, a lot of it is the quality of the raw ingredients you use, which is why we um, made the decision really early on to be an organic certified distillery. Um, so we use 100% certified organic ingredients um, and just the the checks that are in place for farms that are growing organic really make it hard for them to you know slip anything through the cracks. It's really just top quality grain. It's cleaned exactly the way we need it to, um, and then the way we we actually do mill our own grains on site, um, which is particular. There's about fifty percent of the distilleries that mill their own grains. Probably even less. Than yeah, that. maybe less than that. I know we're the I think second distillery in, in Maryland that does that, um, and we actually. We're fortunate enough to find a refurbished stone burr mill, um, which uses stone to grind grain instead of a hammer mill, which is what most distilleries use. That keeps our temperatures low as we're milling our grains, preserves a lot of that character and flavor, keeps all the enzymes from being denatured by getting too hot, like they usually do with the hammer mills. Um, And just that, that quality of the grain that we get out, the flour that we use for our mash is really nice really nice to work with we get nice fermentations from that and then you know beyond that it's all thanks to the equipment we're using really what? <clears throat>
0: i haven't had a chance to come in but i looked at the pictures and mm-hmm. the art from the article and the still you guys have looks quite impressive <laughs> so i've learned that there are different types of stills so to make types. different types of spirits so what is unique about yours
2: So we have a hybrid pot still. It uh, comes out of Germany from a company that's an offshoot of uh, a company that's been open for over 250 years. Uh, They've been producing for a long time. They make some of the best if not the best stills in the world. Uh, Pretty much all the premier stills come out of Germany. Uh, We pretty much along this whole process there's been a million things that have changed but the one thing that hasn't changed from the beginning is what equipment we wanted and what still we wanted. We've always been told this is a marketing game. Put your money, into, put your money into the marketing. Put your money into your labels. Uh, we pretty much burned our entire marketing budget and put it into the <laughs> equipment. So it's always been from the start. It's what we wanted is the best equipment we could possibly get in our hands. Mm-hmm. And we've, it's been the struggle to be able to pay for that. And we're definitely gonna climb out from out in the <laughs> debt in order to pay for it. But it, we're we're very happy with our decision to go with that. Once, like I said, when you have good equipment and good raw ingredients, it makes everything else a lot easier to make a good product.
0: Mm-hmm. So you had mentioned that it is, was this completely funded by you guys? Do you have investors or is this all? We
1: have a, we have a line of credit that helped finance all of our equipment, uh, which took us a little while to get. But once we showed the banks that most of this distilling equipment, um, ours included, there's about between a 14 month and three or four year wait list to get most of these stills because they're in such high demand right now. Um, that, you know, this this equipment actually appreciates in value for a few years because, you know, you don't have to wait on it. Um, so once we were able to show them that, they were able to uh, help finance our equipment, uh, secured against our own equipment, so which was nice for us. Um, and then we do have some investments from friends and family that helped us uh, to get started. Um, so, yeah.
0: And you, you had mentioned marketing. i I feel like you guys have done a masterful job at marketing through just social media. Like, <laughs> like, free. It's only, yeah, it's the only social. one we could afford. We <laughs> burned
2: the marketing budget to zero, so we and, had to really put a lot of time into, into free marketing, which is some I in social and media. And because,
0: one, I mentioned to you before we started, I don't like spirits. So, like, <laughs> you wouldn't be on my radar at all to look at, but I was well aware that you existed for probably close to a year, bef- maybe even more before you opened. So. You guys have done an amazing marketing job without having a budget. Well, thank you. Thank That's you. all Tyler. <laughs> it's all <Braden. laughs> so that it, and So that will go into my next question. Was it, did you just, as soon as you had the idea, you started marketing? Or were there just struggles with being able to open that?
2: We started marketing pretty much the day we signed the lease. But it took us twice as long as we thought for the build-out, which is why it seemed like, we were around marketing <laughs> long before we were a company because we kind of were. But it was from the beginning of when we signed our lease is when we started kind of breaking into the public because we didn't know. We were in negotiations for our building for over a year because, like I said, it was in very bad repair. It was hard to reach an agreement with the owner. So it took us a little longer than we expected, but, yeah, that's why we had a little extra time to, to really put into social media as well.
0: <laughs> in the end, I'd, I would assume that that... It- that helped you quite a bit, though, that when you immensely. opened, oh, yeah. you were hitting the ground running. From- yes.
2: It, yeah, when we walk into places, it's not as much trying to explain to them who we are. They've usually already heard of us, so it makes it a lot easier than trying to kind of start from from the ground up every time.
3: And when you first opened, did you just focus on one spirit, like, right off the bat, or did you immediately go into the three products that you're offering We've now? We've
2: been focused on those three pretty much from the past five years. Mm-hmm.
3: And do you wanna talk about those a little bit and just sort of describe what they are?
2: Sure, Uh, Braden, start with the gin.
1: Sure, Um, so I distill the gin. Um, We have a very unique process how we make our gin that's uh, particular to to our distillery. Um, So we vapor-infuse our gin, which is a little bit different. Just as a background for uh, any of the listeners, the way people have been making gin for the last four or 500 years Um, is you take your botanicals that are used to flavor the gin, um, and the primary has to be juniper, which is that pine tree taste you get with gin. You chop up your botanicals, you soak them in a vat of high-proof alcohol, which is basically uncut vodka. You let it soak for a day or two, let the oils uh, disperse into the alcohol, Um, and during prohibition, you could bottle that that's called a compound gin. It's there's a few of them around, but it's not quite as popular as distilled gin called a bathtub gin, bathtub gin, (laughs) bathtub gin. Um, so what most people do is they'll take that whole mixture. They'll put it in the still, they'll redistill it through. Um, and that's a distilled gin. That's pretty much every gin on the market right now is made like that. Um, but what we've found from our, um, kind of small batch experimentation is that by soaking the botanicals um, in the alcohol. The juniper is so heavy on oils and those oils are so overpowering. You know, you have had the gin that tastes like you've been you know, punched in the mouth with a Christmas tree. Um, uh, we wanted to make a gin that was a little bit uh, more complex, had a little bit more depth and flavor to it. So we take all of our botanicals, we put them in a stainless steel basket that's actually in our still system so we distill a neutral spirit through our column, get it up to about 94% alcohol vapor, and then pass that vapor through our botanicals. Um, so as, because we're vapor-infusing it instead of macerating it or bathtubbing it, uh, you really can taste all the different botanicals we're using. And we were took us a while to get our recipe, and we are using 21 different botanicals. So it was important to us to be able to highlight the citrus notes, the floral notes. Um, we finish ours with anise and cinnamon, which is... Um, Gives a really little bit of a bite to it as well. Um, So by vapor infusing it, we're able to kind of use those botanicals to complement the juniper rather than try to cover it up. And you said most
0: other distilleries aren't, don't make gin
1: that way? The craft
2: boys get into it, but all the large boys don't tend to do it that way. You have to use a lot more botanicals in order to do it the way we do, so it's not as cost-effective. And it's just the way it's kind of always been done, so it's traditional. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, gin, I feel like gin has gotten a— Bad rap over the last years because all the large gin producers are really juniper heavy. There's not a lot of diversity there, so um, we thought we saw a big uh, niche for us to kind of come in with this new flavor that that we have.
0: Oh, Silent Graham, who hides behind the cameras, <laughs> loves your
1: gin. All right, thank you. <laughs>
3: And did you want to, you're, you're the whiskey guy, right? Yeah, I don't, yeah. Go, I don't, know, I don't go as in-depth as he does. <laughs> real, gin people are always You a can give me talk forever about gin.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, we are also making, we got th- two, two whiskeys right now sitting in the barrel. We have a bourbon and a rye. There will be another, more or less, a year in the barrel. They age out a little bit faster when they're sitting in our production floor since there's more temperature fluctuations. Uh, and then we also right now have our Maryland Heritage White Whiskey, which is our rye whiskey served white. Uh, we distill that at a higher proof, makes it nice and clean, really good character of the rye, but finishes really smooth. Like I said, that's the same product that we'll be aging away for our rye whiskey. Uh, we're really excited for those to get out of the barrel. be about, like I said, about a year, year and a half before we start pulling those out. Mm-hmm. But uh, when we, since we stone grind everything on site versus ordering a flour which has been ground months in advance or weeks in advance, as soon as you grind a flour, it starts to oxidize and lose its character. And then once we're able to grind on site through a stone burr mill, Preserve all our flavors. We really have a really nice, flavorful whiskey. The white whiskey has been incredible. We've had a really good, really good uh, reception of it. So we're really excited for that, and we're excited for everything to get out of the barrel in a couple of years.
0: So right now is the only thing of
2: just the gin and the white risk and we also have a mm-hmm. vodka as well. Okay, Northern Italian wheat-based. Uh, it's all everything we make is USDA organic, uh, but that's a it's Epiphany vodka, really clean vodka, really good cocktail mixer.
1: Mm-hmm. Most, most vodkas, uh, from large companies are usually made on really giant stainless steel continuous stills. Um, and because we're small batching our vodka, um, uh, on the copper still, it it will pull out a lot of the sulfides that are naturally occurring. Um, so it gives you a really smooth character. The wheat gives it a nice mellow uh, mouth to it as well. Soft mouth feel. Yeah.
0: And what's a sulfide? Uh,
1: so, uh, there's a, uh, if you want to get into some, uh, some, some uh, chemistry right now, there's a, there's a chemical called dimethyltrisulfide that's produced during fermentation. It's a naturally occurring chemical. Um, it's actually chemically bonded to copper. So because our still um, is fully copper on the inside um, and all of the lines are plated in copper, we pull out all of those sulfides. They stick to the inside of our pot, our helmet, our column. Um, we keep almost, almost all of them out of the final product. Um, and that flavor, I, I, I usually use either popov or Kentucky gentleman as <laughs> my example, dimethyl trisulfide is that kind of medicinal nail polish remover, burning taste you get, um, with products. So, um, we're able to keep a lot of that out of ours and give it a nice smooth, um, smooth character to it. <laughs>
3: okay and and how did you settle on those three spirits to focus on because it seems very much keeping in trend with the the resurgence of interest in prohibition your um, cocktails and Mm -hmm. recipes that sort of thing that you see
1: um well the 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 gin was a product that i i love gins uh and i love whiskeys tyler's the same way so we we kind of decided to do the spirits that we were passionate about that we like to drink um that we wouldn't mind tasting five Mm. or six times a day (laughs) um so that's kind of where we we ended up with our products but we we will be doing a bunch of small batch limited release stuff um over the next few years that will just be for sale out of the distillery um mostly because we have short attention spans and like to experiment a lot a lot of ADD going around so the
0: other distillers distilleries we've talked to have started to work with local breweries also do you guys have anything planned with the, any of the local breweries
1: we we have uh, some some plans in the works uh, our biggest drawback is that we because we are USDA certified organic um, we have to apply for exemptions for wow. any non-organic products um, we are it's not that difficult to do so as soon as we get our organic certification um, we've received interest from several wineries that want to uh, want to distill some brandy um, as well as a few breweries from across the state and DC that are interested in us distilling some whiskeys for them.
0: Do you guys try to source local ingredients or is there not really that much of a market that you're able to?
2: The, we, we've, we have about four farmers working on it. We've, we've tried to, we got in several sample batches, but being a USDA organic uh, uh, in this the... area, it, there's not enough in Maryland. And if we can't source it, source it truly locally, then we're just gonna source it from wherever we can get the highest quality ingredients, which is typically the Midwest for us right now.
3: Well, um, going into the cocktail side of things a little mm-hmm. bit, I know that you guys do specialty um, recipes and will develop your own. And so are you seeing any, I mean, do you have favorites first of all, and then are you seeing any massive trends in the types of cocktails that people are looking for um, more recently?
1: Um, So we do, like you mentioned, we do have a signature cocktail series on our our website um, where we actually are encouraging local bloggers, restaurateurs, bar managers, bartenders, really anybody who has an interest in our spirits um, to design cocktails uh, that are specifically suited for our spirits. That's because we don't. Yeah, that's, uh, we, are, we, are not, we are not the, the yeah. uh, cocktail experts. People always confuse
2: sure. distillers with, with cocktail experts, yeah. which, which happens. Some people, sometimes they're both, but in our case, people step up and order Manhattan and we're just
1: like, oh, what? <laughs> yeah. he knows what's in there, but I don't. Yeah, yeah so we, we do play around with them sometimes. We, we, so far, um, all of the recipes have been um, for our gin. Um, there is some really nice ones that will be coming in the next few weeks designed for the whiskey, the vodka bl- blends well with almost anything. <laughs> it's really smooth. Um so yeah, so keep an eye on the website. We'll uh we'll keep updating our cocktails.
0: So do you have anything uh new or exciting coming up you'd like to plug and or talk about?
2: Not that we're a hundred percent sure we'd actually mm-hmm. release. We've been working on a apple pie moonshine based thing for the next holiday season and then Braden's been toying with a couple things. Yeah, oh. well, I, I
1: guess we can t- we can talk about... <laughs> they
2: might or may not happen. <laughs> we've,
1: we've been very, very fortunate. We were actually recently able to get our hands on some cognac barrels from France, which are very hard to, to find and source. Um, and uh, we are anticipating doing a specialty gin that will barrel age, um, which is kind of a new wave product that's coming out, barrel-rested gins. Um, i I love them because they're such a nice combination of whiskey and uh gin and with these cognac barrels, you'll get a nice uh brandy flavor in there as well so we're we're hoping that could be out by the fall but we'll we'll see <laughs> our production schedule is Everywhere. pretty crazy right now
0: so are they? hard to get because of the rarity of them or just there's a large demand to
1: it's a little bit of both um are because you know there's only a handful of cognac distilleries they all have to be in this one region of france um and they can actually reuse their barrels several times so you know when they are done with a load of barrels they're pretty much all pre-ordered so we we were looking for cognac barrels for probably a little over here now at this point. That, yeah, and we were finally able to um, source five of them. That was the most we could <laughs> buy. So, uh, we, we got all five, and we're, we're really excited to get them in next week. So will you be able to use
0: those multiple times, or is it one time and it?
1: We'll probably use them a few times. It it really just depends on the qual the quality of the barrels that we're getting in. Um, I know after we're done with them, we have a brewery that's looking to take those barrels and then do a stout in them, which will be very interesting because that's a cognac gin a stout, um, which will be really. I'm excited to to try that as well because I really think the the more multiple uses you have in the barrel, the really interesting flavors. That's where you get into them
3: and out of curiosity or is it possible like when you're a brewer you can sometimes get bad batches of beer mm-hmm. does that happen as a distiller
1: mm, it does not yet though not for <laughs> <laughs> yeah if but, it's if you get a real bad infection you typically
2: um, that happens when people are getting ill properly cleaned grain like i said we get all baker's quality grade a grain it's the top quality grain that's offered uh so we haven't had any problems or any close calls by any means but uh Maybe someday. I'm sure it'll happen at some Throw it down the
1: drain <laughs> when it does. We'll call you. You can come clean the fermenters <laughs> for that day.
0: So there, there isn't anything you could do to fix that if you do end up with a bad batch?
2: Typically, we could distill it to a, a full neutral spirit, pretty much coming off the still near 95% pure alcohol. And we, then we would decide what we wanted to do from it, with it from there. Okay. Like I said, like, yeah, brewers so was, can bring us their infected beers and we can get the alcohol out of there. So there's
0: still plenty of things to save yeah, anything that we're, goes we're wrong. Pretty <laughs> much
2: just have this kind of jug of high proof alcohol. Then we are trying to figure out what to do with it. Cause it w- wouldn't fit into any of our core products, obviously, cause we produce those from scratch and we want to have a specific bill versus some random beer that gets brought to us. <laughs> so we kind of got to figure out what, what use we want for that alcohol.
0: So of your products, what's your favorites? I, I can guess in your mind which <laughs> yeah, you, well, you're going
2: to say. His favorite's is the gin. <laughs> and my favorite's the white whiskey right now. So but I've actually been drinking probably most
1: of the vodka just because it's so dang easy to drink. Mm-hmm. And the, bur- with the the bourbon is going to give us a run for the money. We just pulled some samples of that last week out of the barrel, and it's probably what four months. It's about four months. Four months, months, months old
2: at this it's point, and doing really well. <sighs> it's good. It's really. Good. <laughs> <laughs> We've been very fortunate so far.
0: So, as someone who doesn't like spirits, what of your you. products? Maybe, maybe me theoretically. What What should I try of yours?
2: Uh, I'd probably start. Well, I'd start them with a the gin, even though that's the most flavorful one, just because that's been our best product so far. But uh, I think you'd probably like the white whiskey the most, to be honest.
3: And you why might like that? it
2: more than even an aged whiskey? It's just got very good flavor profile and it finishes really clean. Uh, it hits you with a lot of rye spice up front. But then half a second later, it's really clean finish, really smooth finish, doesn't leave you with any bite like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And of the spirits that you produce, is anyone more challenging to, to make than the, all the others?
1: They all present mm-hmm. their own set of uh-huh. challenges and time-consuming aspects of them, just through, just through the different processes. But yeah. um, It's hard yeah. to uh, nail down yeah. which one would be the most difficult I know which one would be the least difficult to make. Yeah, vodka. (laughs) (laughs) Vodka
2: is just pure ethyl alcohol. It's like the same thing you put in your gas tank. You distill it until it's almost nothing and then water it down and drink it. All vodkas taste relatively similar no matter what they're derived from. Even if you distill it from strawberry wine or a grain-based mash, it's going to taste like vodka at Mm. the end of the day. Good vodkas should just be clean and smooth, easy to drink.
0: So can you tell everyone where they can find your spirits?
1: Go ahead, Brayden. Um, so we just signed our distribution deal two weeks ago. We're really excited with it. Uh, we have 1800 bottles shipping out, uh, on Monday. So, uh, I know our products will be in all, uh, 32 of the Montgomery County control stores, um, in terms of the bars, restaurants in, uh, Frederick County, we have commitments from the, uh, tasting room, black hog, the wine kitchen, um, and uh, we, just, yeah, we just were contacted Vayner. by JoJo's, and so we're, we're hoping um, we're hoping to get our spirits in as many places in, in Frederick as we can because you know this is our home base, and we want to. Uh,
2: but until then, they'll always be available in the distillery.
1: Yes.
0: And where's that located? One more time. Thirty-five
2: <laughs> South Carroll, Lowest Point in Frederick. Yep.
3: And do we yeah. want to talk about the Craft Spirits Festival at all and uh, your involvement in that? Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, we're really excited about it. It is april 22nd 22nd there we go (laughs) april 22nd um i think last count i heard there was going to be 12 distilleries there there will probably be even more than that Um, there'll be some really cool uh, vendors that will be there as well that do bitters and cocktail mixers Mm -hmm. a bunch of other stuff Um, there will be some guest speakers if you get a vip package um, i know uh, two or three of the guest speakers are other head distillers in maryland they're really knowledgeable um, should be a really, really fun event. And then there'll be a bunch of uh, small batch limited release products. And I think ours is uh, our limited release will be the six month bourbon at that point. And we'll have one bottle of that and we'll give it to the VIPs and then nobody else.
0: <laughs> and all the scum can just. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> everybody <laughs> else. Listen, everyone and talk everything. about what was so <laughs> good. Well, I want to take, thank you guys so much for taking the time to Absolutely. come in and talk to us yeah, and teach so me thanks a little bit us. about. Uh, Gin making and distilling in general. Yeah, We're we'll turn we'll, you into a
1: spirits lover. We'll change <laughs> your mind for sure. Maybe not. <laughs> Have a good one. Right, thank right, you. Thank you, guys.